Good afternoon. Welcome to North Point of View here in beautiful, historic Savannah, Georgia with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Great. Good. Hey, one of the things that we really focus on sort of, you know, in our constant analysis of what's going on is, is the port, you know, the, the, the volumes. Uh, and typically we look at the top 10. Uh, obviously, in the past 12 months, We've been focused on the, you know, West versus East, you know, labor negotiations out West, the growth of the volumes uh, in the East taking market share. Uh, let's, let's take a minute, let's pause and, and we'd love to hear from you on sort of the, the state of the ports mm -hmm. and how you sort of see, uh, you know, sort of where everybody is right now in terms of port growth and momentum. All right, so <clears throat> we have to lay out facts, and some facts aren't pleasant for certain gateways, but uh, let's just start at the macro level and we'll drill our way down to the three coasts, and then maybe we pick on a gateway or two. Okay. And so at a, at a macro level, the port industry in August of 2020, the top 10 port authorities, and the reason I'm focusing on them and not all of the other smaller ones is that the top 10 port authorities started to handle over 2 million imported TEUs or containers a month. Yeah. And except for February of 2021, this went on all the way to August of 2022. So when you add it up, it's 25 consecutive months of peak season import volumes. Right. Normally you only see a couple of months, August, September, July, August, maybe three months, but that's it. After that, the volumes drop and you go clean up the mess that happened during the peak season. Our ports went through 25 consecutive months of peak season. Mm -hmm. Even if the workers weren't getting sick with COVID, you know, with the, with the, the train drivers, the, the, the port employees, the, uh, you know, the, the ocean carriers, the stevedores, who are great heroes, but even if they hadn't gotten sick, it still would have been a chaotic mess. Right. We're just, we're not set up for that. The volume surge, uh, at its peak was 20%. And the industry got yelled at for all of the congestion around the ports. Well, you know, let's see. The warehouses got stuffed overnight. We struggled to try to run enough trains to get things from the coast into the inland. We struggled to find truck drivers. And even if it wasn't for COVID, you still wouldn't have had enough truck drivers. So things got stuck at the ports. And if it was 10 years from now and they've been putting capacity in place, that probably wouldn't have been such an issue. So um, we're now, since August of last year, been seeing year-on-year -year decline in the volumes, particularly imports. It started at minus 1% in September, minus 5% in October, and all the way until we got to March where we were down 30% year-on-year. The good news is that uh, last month, April, we were, quote unquote, only down 20%. And you remember from your Wall Street days, like I do, the second derivative, right? So things were going negative as of last August, and they were accelerating in, in going negative. So that's a negative second derivative. It makes the trend more negative. And in April, the, the second derivative, the change in the rate of change, went positive. So uh, I pointed that out to a bunch of friends, but they're so 
shell-shocked by this decline in volumes that they go, it's probably just an aberration. One point doesn't make a trend. They're afraid to hope. They're afraid to hope, Mark. And it's the same thing across the ports. You know, there's just this, you know, every day you go to work and you see the volumes down. I've had a friend of mine who told me that she was worried about keeping her job. And, uh, and I just told her to calm down. She's young, she's needed, and, you know, we will stabilize. But right now, that's the big shell shock that the port industry is going through. Um, on the West Coast, the uh, stevedores have agreed on a number of things, but not everything yet with the PMA. It's the union of uh, terminal operators. Uh, but I'm not hearing as many complaints about you know, work stoppage or work slowing down like they were doing about the what, last three to six weeks ago, where they called for extra safety checks, w which would kill a shift because right. it took forever. They were red tagging too many chassis. What happens is the inspection for the roadability of a chassis is done by the stevedore union. And they also do the repairs. So if there's not a lot of volume business, <laughs> you, might, <laughs> you might get suspicious yeah. about what's going on. But it looks like that's quieting down and that uh, we're just down to what's the wage level and what kind of benefits. Now, I got to tell you, the guys in the West Coast, the stevedores have it great. If their back doesn't feel so great, when they get off their shift, they can go to a massage parlor and, and get a back rub. All right. That's in the contract as a health benefit. <clears throat> we, we're in the wrong. We're in the wrong profession, Mark. But anyway, so we've progressed to where it looks like some of those bigger issues are being resolved. The East Coast and the Gulf Coast ports recognize that uh, it, it's not just because the U.S. is pulling away from China, which means you go towards Western Asia mostly, some Mexico. And when that happens, more of the volume goes to the, to the U.S. via the Suez Canal, the Mediterranean, and then over to the East Coast. Not as much to the Gulf Coast, but definitely to the East Coast. And if you look at, based on the conversation we had just previous, that that you know, inventory glut sort of works its way through the system mm -hmm. by the end of the third quarter, then you, you sort of have, I mean, I'm, I'm asking a question, but you know, end of the summer, these volumes and then sort of the port outlook should be sort of on an even keel, maybe, maybe even slightly optimistic. Exactly. And you know what else is cool for the, for the retailers? It's not that easy to find a new source. You know, I've got friends right. of mine who left Lee and Fung when it was bought. And um, whenever I hear somebody needs help finding a source in Indonesia or India, I ask to introduce it to them and they help them find a factory somewhere in you know, central India. So, um, and since you know, the shelves are overstocked right now for those guys, that means they've got a lull to work like hell to restructure their supply chains so that when things are really back in the swing, they're okay. And it's the same thing we're here seeing here in Savannah. We've got so many buildings under construction, so much more procurement than that. And it's all about restructuring your supply chain for a changed world. Yeah, before we get there, and maybe that's our next talk, you know, one of the things that um, you and I've been talking about for, for a few months Obviously, there's a shift from west to east. So, you know, number of reasons for that. You know, the price of doing business out west. Uh, you know, the the slip in trade with China. Uh, you know, the the emergence of the East Coast. But then, sort of an underlying theme is the growth of the Gulf ports, right? Yes. 
Exactly. And I've been sort of you know, listening to what you say and checking the numbers, but if I'm not mistaken, the Port of Houston has been the fastest growing port percentage-wise of any port in the country. All the other ports got their butts kicked by Houston. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And so, and you and I have sort of, sort of been looking at Mobile now for a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that, that Houston and Mobile have a, a you know, symbiotic relationship, right? right? You know, a ship's not going to necessarily go to the, the Gulf for one stop. Um, and so, can you take a minute and just, you know, sort of the sub-theme on the, the emergence of the, the East Coast ports versus the West and how you see the, the Gulf ports sort of, uh, benefiting or sort of coming into their own now. Right. So going back in time, before 1990, the biggest gateway for container volumes was New York, not LA, Long Beach. That took years for China and Japan and Korea and others to really build up. Uh, and, it, and, and it took a lot of investment in infrastructure in, in the uh, Southern California basin. And by the way, I think that just a couple of months ago, New York, New Jersey surpassed for the first time in maybe uh, a couple of decades, the uh, LA Long Beach volumes. Yes, they exceeded Long Beach. Yeah. Uh, for the whole year, they didn't exceed LA, okay. but there were a few months back in 2022 where the Port of, Los a- of New York handled more container volumes than either LA or Long Beach. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, when Molly- Back to the future, right? No, exactly. Well, Molly <laughs> Campbell years ago made a statement when she started as the director there, and that, that within 10 years, uh, New York would exceed uh, Long Beach volumes. And uh, then the press hounded her. They wanted to really talk to her about it. So she called me because we're old friends. I've done a lot of work for her over the years. And she goes, well, can I back my statement up? So I gave her a bunch of facts. And here we are, less than 10 years later, <laughs> and it happened. So, uh, you know, a lot of this wasn't guesswork. It was math. It's just yeah. physical capacity. But the way to look to me, the way to look at the East and the Gulf Coast is New York is where all the immigrants came in for years. You know, even my great, my grandparents, when they came from Latvia, you know, they went and came in through Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. And so from there, people then propagated into the Midwest. Sorry, they diffused to the Midwest, to the Northeast a bit, down, you know, the East Coast a little bit. But there's this concentration where 20% of the U.S. population, 20% of U.S. GDP, is within 200 miles of the port of New York. So if you're gonna do anything on the East Coast, like bigger ships, you gotta make sure New York can handle it. Right. Because all the other ports combined just can't serve that sheer mass of volume so quickly. Right. So now we go to the Gulf Coast, and what's happening is Houston is the main port of entry, and Houston got really big, and people are beginning to, yeah, this place is too congested. Let's go to San Antonio, let's go to uh, Dallas, let's go to Austin, and these are nice cities that were very well set up. And if you're going to go into the Gulf Coast, you must hit, I think, at least three ports. And the three ports would be Veracruz, because you can access the, the uh, Golden Triangle of Mexico. All the manufacturing takes place around Mexico City. And then you would go to Houston and dump off a lot of imported stuff, which Houston can then truck over to the other Texas cities. And then you go to Mobile, where you drop stuff off that can, there's not a lot of people live in the Mobile area. It's about the same population size as Savannah. Yeah. So, but there's a great access to that whole section into the Southern part of the Midwest. 
And you can put those containers on, on a Canadian national line. They have the ICTF there, and it goes straight up to Chicago. And so, and getting from Houston to the Midwest is not as easy as it is to get to the Midwest via mobile. And so we see that symbiotic relationship that the bigger and better Houston gets. And by the way, they're actually citing their third container terminal. Yeah. So that's a 50% expansion for them. Yeah. And uh, so you hit there, you hit Mobile, you hit Veracruz, so you get that Mexico flavor, and uh, uh, that's a good service. So as we sort of wrap up this segment, you know, stay of the ports, it's been, the, the water's been choppy yes. this year. Uh, but you see sort of uh, a little bit more of a stabilization going into the end of the year. And fairly optimistic about 24. Exactly. So this week I gave a talk at the Port of New York and I chatted with Beth, uh, Beth Rooney, the executive director. We're good friends. Um, I was talking to uh, friends of mine at the Virginia Port Authority. They just had their state of the port. Uh, you know, we know Jim Newsom. We know what's going on in, in Charleston. You look at Savannah. You look at Jacksonville. Uh, you look at Mobile, you look at Houston, and even New Orleans is citing a new terminal so they can avoid the, the bridge air draft issue. These, that part of the U.S. is investing aggressively yeah. in capacity. Yep. So, you know, it's the three C's, like our friend Rick Abelson tells us, the three C's, cost, capacity, and consistency. Uh, and they are all focused on it. Although New York, this is going to be tough. There's too many people there. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Well, and and again, with the population shift to the southeast, yeah. I mean, it's... Market's coming to us. Yeah. All we've got to do is sit here and wait, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Walter. Great being with you. Yeah, man. Good seeing you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.